Blog Talk Radio. Hello there, Dr. Ross Green here, coming to you live, as always, from the offices of Lives in the Balance here in Portland, Maine. Uh, Welcome to the program. As always, we do this every Monday, September through May, at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, live. And as you probably know at this point, you don't have to listen in live. Listening in live is always kind of fun, but... The most important reason to listen in live is if you want to call in live, and that's one of the things this program is for, to give you the opportunity to call in, ask questions, get the support you're looking for. Um, That call-in number is 347-994-2981, but today is a parents' panel day, it being the first Monday of the month. And uh, that's when we do the parents' panel, the first Monday of every month. And um, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the last parents' panel, the one from January, Um, but um, it was one of the more poignant parents' panel programs. Um, We had a sibling of a previously explosive child, a now kind of grown-up sibling, and... um, very interesting to hear what she had to say, but and we might follow up on that a little bit today. We will see. Um, but what I think I shall do now is bring on to the air our two parents panel members. Susie, how are you today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I am well. Anna, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Hi, Susie. Hi, Anna. So, um... Rumor has it that we're going to be talking a little bit more about siblings today. And um, as you both know, I try to get out of the way as quickly as possible on this program because you both do such a great job with it. Um, Where do we want to start today? I just, I'm going to jump in and go first, Susie. Great. And I just thought that we... Siblings is a really, really important topic, and that last week, we last week, last month, we had our guest and heard her point of view, and I felt that there was a lot more to talk about in that with the topic of siblings, that to, we should address it again. Where do you want to start? I'll start with a struggle I have here at my house because uh, my explosive child is the youngest. And so sometimes I waffle between, like, where do you let your children voice their, um, what would be the word, uh, you know, how upset they are by their sibling's behavior? And, and, And so where do you hear them without giving it life? So that's one struggle I have. And then the other struggle I have is, um, I've forgotten what I was going to (laughs) say. Sorry. Um, 
Anna, I'm just not quite sure what you mean when you say, where do you hear them without giving it life? Could you just explain that a little? So if if your child is having a, an episode or you, you know, I don't want to go here, I want to just go home, and so you say, okay. And then, but you make your, when you don't make your a sibling do something, or you don't make the, the explosive child do something, and you make the sibling do it, and then they're like, that's no fair, blah, blah, blah. That, we're, yeah, it's unfair that your brother gets things, but we all get what we need. And so, but where can you say, you know what, that's, we all get what we need. So that has to be the way it is. You get things he doesn't get. But sometimes it seems that unfairness, there's an unbalance there in the what the what the challenging child gets. And so when I say give it life, like when you, if you reflectively listen, you know, he gets everything, I get nothing. Yeah, he gets everything, I get, you get nothing. Like that's what I hear you saying, that you feel it's unfair. But without, how do you not agree, <laughs> I guess is my, sometimes I feel like, I feel like I'm agreeing with them too much that, that the sibling is, is not held to the same level of accountability when I say give it life. Like hear Susie, them without encouraging the negativity. Sorry? I'm sorry. I was what asking did you... Susie if she wanted to take a crack at the answer. I'm happy to weigh in too, but go ahead, Susie. Um, I think... I I did agree that it wasn't fair um, what the challenging child got at times, but but uh, the sibling uh, had other problems, and so we would address those needs and get them met. Um, I mean, in a way, it's a good life lesson that things just aren't always fair and you don't treat your children the same. Um, and you're trying to, as the model says, being responsive to the hand you've been dealt. Um, you know, the, the siblings have legitimate concerns, too. And... Um I guess the thing that occurs to me is, and this this occurs even outside the context of siblings, is the notion of agreeing. Um, Because the reality is the siblings' concerns are legitimate. And whether... And the reality is a kid's concerns are legitimate, so I'm going to take it outside the context of siblings just to expand it because it's equally applicable. The, the concerns of anybody are legitimate, even if we don't necessarily see eye to eye with their mm-hmm. perspective. And that's so it sort of removes the necessity of even pondering do I agree with what this individual is saying? Their concerns are legit. And I like taking agreeing out because this isn't 
um, sort of a um, exercise in do we agree with each other or not. It's more of an exercise of getting the concerns of different parties entered into consideration, making sure that they're heard, clarified, legitimized, validated. Um, there's not really any major necessity for agreeing. It's in those, they're important concerns and they're legitimate whether we agree or not. Um, we often get caught up. I'm not, Anna, I'm not saying you're doing this, but we often, so, so I think we want to give it life. We want to give it legs because it's important. It needs to be heard and clarified and validated. And that's a good thing all by itself. I find Sorry. that's something a lot of siblings need. Um, and sometimes, sometimes, especially in cases where their explosive sibling isn't going to change colors dramatically anytime soon, having them be heard and validated may be number one on our list um, what do you both think of that? Heard and validated without agreeing. Interesting. Um, I'm just writing that down. Yeah, that's, I guess, what's... Uh, because that's what I try to do. You know, I try to certainly give the other kids space to say, you know what, sometimes things are difficult. And, and you know, I think I spoke before on a previous program about whether or not kids can come over. Has, is The bar is how they put up with the youngest. And so, but sometimes that... You know, so to say, oh, it's too bad that that person can't come over because they can't tolerate, you know, that your brother gets his first dibs on the computer because when there's people over, it's hard for him. And uh, so devout to just give a space for them to say that that's no fair and other people don't have to do that. So to not, like, that's that line with, that I get, you know, set up, well, that's just the way it is here because you know what it's like. So, you know, like to, so I try to be uh, empathetic and, and here, and then I just get fed up because there's not a solution to that. Well, I guess that's the big question is, um, you know, if we're talking about the empathy step where we are trying to get the kid's concern or perspective entered into consideration, um, then... For, for agreeing and disagreeing doesn't matter there. Um, we'll get a chance in the define the problem step to get our concern or perspective entered into consideration. I find that agreeing and disagreeing is an unnecessary step, and agreeing is not what's validating. Hearing, clarifying yeah. is what's validating. Yeah. Disagreeing yeah. can actually make someone feel like their concern isn't valid, um, so we, I don't know if we want to do that, but the cool part is we've always got the define the problem step coming, so uh, we'll have our say, but even in the define the problem step, we're not saying I disagree with your concern. 
Um, the concern is the concern. People are entitled to their concerns, kids included. Now, outside the context of Plan B, if this is a problem that we don't even think is solvable, I think that um, hearing, clarifying, validating, even more important, because the truth is there are some problems that just aren't going to get solved right now, and I think that there is something that doesn't solve it, which is sort of the holy grail, but at least the person is feeling heard and validated. Susie, what do you think? Uh, Gosh, I think you just um, said it so beautifully, and it, it, it just can't be said enough how important it is to really listen um, not only to your child but whoever it is you're talking to and and trying to understand that's what that's what everybody wants I think I think we humans spend a lot of time invalidating each other's concerns stepping over each other to get our concerns entered into consideration, fearful that our concerns won't get heard and will get blown off the table. I think some of that comes from agreeing and disagreeing with each other's concerns. I think the whole process becomes a heck of a lot easier when agreeing or disagreeing with concerns doesn't even matter. Here's the cool part. There's two steps. We're going to hear the kids' valid, legitimate concerns and clarify them in the empathy step. Then the adult gets to voice their valid and legitimate concerns and get them clarified in the define the problem step. Um, I think a great deal of counterproductive human interaction traces from blowing each other's concerns off the table because we're not necessarily seeing eye-to-eye on each other's concerns. We don't have to see eye-to-eye on each other's concerns. I got mine. You got yours. Let's work it out. Just again, how important the model is for not only helping to improve dynamics within your family, but just a better understanding of all human beings. Anna, can you see this? being applicable to your situation? I, I would say it is, <clears throat> sorry, it, I would say it's very true, and and for the most of the time, I can do that. That, And I agree, it's just about giving people a forum to be heard. But just sometimes those things are hurtful to, you know, I've and, and not even with my youngest, but to when my other kids are, are, are having a disagreement, I'll say, you know, don't speak about your brother like that. He's my son. Don't talk about my son that way. And uh, so as a parent, it's hard when you're, one child is the perpetrator and then the other is the victim of each other's disagreements and to stand back. And, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm pretty good at letting my kids solve each other's problems and not getting too immersed in it. But I just, uh, I feel, sometimes I feel bad, but I, I worry that if I show that, I'm I'm sorry that you have a challenging sibling. Then that um, that just gonna that's not helping them live their life. By yeah, I, that that's 
you know, that's terrible. That's terrible. I'm so sorry. On one side, I want to hear them. On the <clears throat> on the other side, I, I I don't want to give them, you know, we have to move forward. We can't just all sit around feeling sorry for ourselves. Well, now, that's, that last part is an interesting twist. Um, we don't want them feeling sorry for themselves. Um, I think it's okay if they're feeling sorry for themselves. They might, they're going to need to move on. But if they're f- feeling sorry for themselves, that is legitimate. That's a legitimate way to, for a sibling of a behaviorally challenging kid to feel. How come I got the raw deal on siblings? Yes, we don't want them feeling that way forever. But there's a lot of concerns that you'll hear about in the empathy step or whenever that we may be thinking, you know, it's actually not so productive for him to be thinking or feeling this way. Um, And yet, sometimes if we try to move them along too quickly, then their concern ends up getting blown off the table. And here's what's fascinating. Even they may know they can't feel that way forever. And sometimes if we're patient, they'll actually say it. And then we don't have to say it because they kind of knew it already. So I think there's much to be said for not trying to move the mindset along too quickly. Um, And the other thought that I had while you were talking, Anna, is that disagreeing and agreeing also sometimes translates into side-taking. Um, Sometimes we feel that if we are agreeing, then we're taking a side, when in fact whoever is facilitating solving a problem collaboratively, there is no side-taking. There's validating the concerns of both parties, clarifying the concerns of both parties. The whole purpose of Plan B is to move things along from where they are now, That's why it's still a problem, because we're stuck in where we are now. But um, once again, all necessity for agreeing, disagreeing, side-taking, removed. But I think that if a kid wants to feel a little sorry for him or herself because he or she is feeling like he or she got the short end of the stick in the sibling department, I'd want to validate that too. As you're saying this, I realize it's that I feel sorry for them more than they feel sorry for themselves, actually. Mm. That's where that's coming from. As I'm hearing you saying about a child should be allowed to feel sorry for themselves, I agree. I, I, I enjoy actually sometimes feeling sorry for myself. But <laughs> really, <laughs> that's what I, 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 I'm seeing now as we speak, is that I feel sorry for them, that they have this in their lives sometimes so then then I don't uh, then I cover that up in whatever way I do by over interesting I don't know if that's my phone are you still there yes yeah. oh okay <laughs> um, <clears throat> so th- and then I over would overcompensate them maybe or then I like, and then I would worry that I'm overcompensating them, and then, and, you know, like that, I start swinging back and forth. 
perhaps. Got it. Yeah, I mean, I think adults do that a lot. Um, when, in fact, um, a simple, you know, I know exactly how you feel, um, has them feeling heard and validated. Yeah. And sometimes they'll pull for agreeing or side-taking. Sometimes kids will do that because that's sort of, that's that's how human interactions often go. We're pulling for agreeing and side-taking. Um, whenever I feel like I'm being pulled for agreeing or side-taking, um, I have some fairly well-rehearsed lines that are pretty automatic at this point, not rehearsed, but I'll say, you know, it actually doesn't matter that much whether I agree you're entitled to your perspective. Um, I can tell you that sometimes I do feel bad that um, you may feel like you got dealt a bad hand uh, in the sibling department, and I think it's perfectly okay for you to feel that way. Um, at some point, we probably got to do something with that, but I think it's perfectly okay for you to feel that way. They feel heard. They feel validated. We've minimized the need for agreeing or disagreeing or side-taking. And um, I'm not even sure what agreeing or side-taking would add to the mix. I think people are looking for validation that their concerns have been heard, are legitimate, and that there's a process that we can engage in for making sure that they get addressed. What could be better than that? Mm-hmm. Brilliant. And, and affirming to to know that that's enough, I guess, is that uh, that you don't have to agree. You just have to hear them, and that's enough. And, I, and, and, and on a lot of levels, I know that, but sometimes in the moment, I just uh, feel like so... Get, you just get caught up in the moment, right? And I feel bad later <laughs> that I have agreed with them because then I feel disloyal to my challenging child if I agree that sometimes it's hard. I think you will never feel bad hearing and validating concerns. Yeah, and stopping there. I, I, think, that's, I think that's a fantastic, I think that's like the holy grail. So it's, there's, there's not, I'm not sure that there's much more to do after that except if you're in problem-solving mode, to take those concerns and turn them into um, and make sure that they get addressed in a solution. Um, The tricky part with siblings is that, and in any problem-solving scenario, is that there's some problems you're working on right now and some you're not. Um, One of my two kids is a neat freak. The other is a slob. (sighs) This causes conflict between the neat freak and the slob. And sometimes the neat freak is a bit over the top in his um, railings against the slob. Um, And I'm careful not to agree or disagree, not to take sides, but to hear and validate and clarify. And then if it's something we're not working on, well, uh, being heard and validated, uh, maybe all they get. Um, but agreeing and taking sides wouldn't add something productive to the mix. 
If we're in problem-solving mode, then those concerns are going to be very important as we try to work toward a solution that addresses those concerns. And in my own household, I'm glad to report that the neat freak is being less intense about being a neat freak these days, and the slob, though he or she still has his or her moments, has been trying much harder not to be a slob. We must have been in problem-solving mode. Before that, we were simply in hearing, clarifying, and validating mode. That's a perfect example, actually, of uh, of every home in America, probably, that has two children. Because <laughs> yeah. first and seconds are often so opposite. Now that I think about it, I think that agreeing and disagreeing and side-taking actually fuels conflict. Yeah. But easily done because if you're if you've tripped over someone's shoes for the 50th time, it would be easy to agree with the neat freak that the slob is being irresponsible and floppy. Yes. So like it would be easy if you're frustrated in that moment. I don't have that in my house, the the neat and the messy, I'm the messy one, but <laughs> uh, I can see <laughs> well, like that's then you a perfect do have example. <laughs> Yeah, that might be more a husband-wife thing. <laughs> and it, but it's a perfect example of uh, there's no right and wrong, and uh, and and it's just people. Yeah, I mean, what I find is that neat freaks think that they are right. Things should yeah. be neat. That's, <laughs> and the reason they think things should be neat and are, and are completely convinced of the validity of their stance is because they are a neat freak. Slobs, yeah. I find. Slobs think that they're right. Why? why who cares if this gets picked up immediately? Right? What, yep. Why are we being so intense about this? And yep. so I find that slobs are also completely convinced of the validity of their stance. The reality is they actually kind of both do have valid concerns. Um, if, we're, if we're not working on it right now, then all we're going to do is hear those valid concerns um, and you know, legitimize them and clarify them. If we're in problem-solving mode, um, well, those concerns are going to be crucial for coming up with a solution that's mutually satisfactory. The, the more we talk about it, the more convinced I become that agreeing, disagreeing, and side-taking not only doesn't add anything to the mix, whatever it adds is counterproductive. Yeah, I, I think that we've really funneled that with your example, too. Susie, what do you think? Um, I'm just listening in with lots of interest and uh, couldn't agree more. I, I probably, going back to those years when my son was challenging, um, I can see now that by agreeing, um it was frequently um came back to bite me because the siblings thought that I was taking their brother's side which mm-hmm. I wasn't it was just I was the only one there to uh step up to the plate if that makes sense. Isn't it 
isn't it interesting how we feel the pull not just to hear, clarify, and validate, but also to agree, disagree, or take a side. It's a, um, it's a pull I think many people, most people perhaps, feel in the course of a discussion to add those to the mix when, in fact, we should resist the pull. But I think the pull is there. I think in many discussions we feel the pressure to do that. And there's something, too, about in the heat of the moment. I'm very, very good about not getting into a heat of the moment with my challenging son, but I can, I, I, there, the heat of the moment isn't so hot with the others. So it's easy to get, if I'm frustrated, or not to step back. Whereas I always step back with the challenging one, 99% of the time, but not with the siblings. And then you do, Mm -hmm. then I would find myself agreeing. So that's another thing maybe to keep in mind, is to not get so heated the moment with them either. Well, certainly the more proactive you can be, the better. Sorry, Susie, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, I was just going to say that um, what we're talking about is a very difficult thing to do because the other kids aren't challenging and you see them as, well, just more resilient and and they do have the skills to... Um, follow through with your instructions. So it's it's tough to take those extra steps, but having done so with the siblings, um, it's well worth the effort. That helps relationships. Yeah, yeah. And Plan B with a non-challenging child is so often smooth and and. Like it is good practice if you're just starting with the model to do it with a non-challenging child because mm-hmm. it's like step one, step two, done. <laughs> like it, and it's like, uh, and it does warm me up to to how it works and uh, because of their flexibility too. Sometimes the the solution is easier to get to with them. Sure. I wonder where, along the line, we all learned that instead of focusing primarily on hearing, clarifying, and validating, we were in the side-taking, agreeing and disagreeing business. I'll have to think about that one a little bit, but it sure is a bad habit. I think it leads us down some pretty counterproductive paths. I think our society is entrenched in not hearing, especially children. From put on your coat, whether it's cold or not, to eat your dinner, whether you're hungry or not. I think that, that the expectation is that parents know best and that, you know, a child couldn't possibly know if they're hungry or cold from a year. Like, don't even get me started. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it just carries forward. 
I'm going to have to give this some more thought. Um, but I'm, I'm currently, well, the, we are in the final stages of editing of the fifth edition of The Explosive Child, which will be out in May. And um, this one has a running story in it, just like Lost at School does. But I'm also thinking that this discussion tells me I've left something out of the section in the book on siblings. And the good news is it's not too late for me to add it in because this is really important. Um, There's a huge difference between hearing, clarifying, validating, and agreeing, disagreeing, and the taking of sides. And um, it sure would be neat if more people knew about not only what a big difference there is between those, but what a big difference it makes in the course of human interactions and people's attempts to solve problems, not only with kids, but also with each other. We don't want to use politicians as our example of validating concerns. (laughs) Um, Probably don't want to use the legal system as an example of that either. Not necessarily a ton of concern clarifying, listening, and validating going on in those two systems. In fact, those two systems, talking about this in the next book, those two systems were actually designed to be adversarial in the belief that adversarial is productive. I think collaborative is way more productive. I agree. Works for me. In the book, I remember when I first read the book and it talked about how to say to the siblings, you know, everybody has their own needs. You need help with math and he he needs help learning to be flexible. And, And that carried me so far for a long time. But... There, there's more. There's more because by the time I got to the book, th- things were were grim, <laughs> not grim, but they were hard. And the kids had been living with his, like things. You know, I've described how bad it was by the time I finally got my hands on the book. And so, you know, there was a to say, you know, you you need help with math, and he needs help with flexibility. It, it, it helped a little bit, but there I did need more to validate, hear, validate, and and not agree and take sides. It'll be in there. All right. <laughs> See, we've just improved many things just by having this discussion. Awesome. Awesome. Any yeah. other aspects of the whole sibling scenario? that we want to touch on. Um, I mean, if I had to take what we've been saying today and reduce it to its most basic components, it's even if you're doing plan C on an unsolved problem, that doesn't eliminate um, the good stuff related to hearing, clarifying, and validating. If you're doing plan B, hearing, clarifying, and validating concerns is, of course, essential to solving a problem. Otherwise, you won't know what concerns the solution is intended to address. And that hearing, 
clarifying and validating is way more important and way more productive than agreeing, disagreeing, and taking sides. Anything else we want to touch on related to siblings? I'm good. I'm done for today. (laughs) Susie, you good? Um, Yeah, just uh, one thought that uh, reemphasizing what you talked about on last month's program, just that, you know, to give the sibling a chance to talk to an outside source um, because frequently kids don't want to burden their parents um, and the parents are already so involved with this challenging child. Um, I, I just thought that that was a really important point to, to emphasize. Um, and and it's a tricky one, too, because, as we said last month, even though I checked in with my daughter and she seemed fine, she really wasn't. And even though we did get her some outside help, the fit wasn't good. So we had to try again and again. It's just, it's, not only your challenging child that takes an enormous amount of attention and energy, but uh, somehow you have to make time for the siblings as well. I thought it was a pretty uh, poignant moment during that program when our sibling was telling us about how she didn't necessarily want to burden her parents with mm-hmm. um, more stuff than they were already dealing with. I um, have heard siblings say that before, but for whatever reason it really hit me over the head when our sibling on that program was saying it. I thought she said it rather eloquently. Um, but... Um, gave us empathy for the sibling uh, in ways that are even further beyond um, I got the short end of the stick because I got a behaviorally challenging sibling. Mm -hmm. I I got the short end of the stick because he hits me sometimes and is making my life miserable. I also don't feel like I want to burden my parents with this because look at them, they got enough going on as it is, sort of adds yet another dimension to what some siblings go through. What a, um observant, sensitive sibling she was. Yes. Actually, she has offered to come back on the program if no there's kidding. ever a need. Mm-hmm. There will always be a need to hear from siblings, and um, if she feels, number one, we'd love to have her back, obviously, but number two, it would be very interesting to know if she feels like there were some things that she would have liked to have said that went unsaid 
and mm-hmm. things that she wishes had been covered that weren't. I'd love to know where what side. What, <laughs> I'd love to hear where'd she come in on the agreeing disagreeing side taking issue, um, and what she tells us would have felt good to her. Because you know, as we're thinking about it, Susie, you were saying be sensitive to the fact that siblings may need somebody outside the family to talk to. Would the person outside the family um, be able to fix anything? Often not. Would their primary role be hearing, clarifying, validating? You know, there's a lot Mm -hmm. of therapies that that's pretty much the only thing going on, hearing, clarifying, validating. Interesting. We'd love to have her on again. Well, you just let me know when. We will do that. Susie, I know you had another topic for today. I just don't know if in the four minutes or so that we have left, whether we can do it justice, but we can start today and come back to it next week if you want to. Oh, um, I was reading... uh, an article in Attitude magazine, and they were talking about a mid-year slump in school. And that got me to thinking about sort of it's the dead of winter and if people might be experiencing Plan B fatigue. And um, just to be aware of that and reevaluate the different ways that you can relate to your challenging child, how might you do it differently, what works, what doesn't, um, not rushing through, you know, the plan B steps. Um, that's what I was sort of thinking about. I'll have to read the article. There's no question that people can get fatigued on this stuff, although I also find that people sort of get a roll-on sometimes Mm -hmm. and um, don't want to stop. I can't say that I very often find myself in the position of telling people to stop doing Plan B, but um, sometimes people get on a real roll. but the mid-year slump that they were talking about was mostly related to school? Yes, that's right. And and school professionals dealing with kids? Yep. Got it. We should, we should do that next time. I often hear school folks um, dreading going back to school after Christmas break. Of course, I hear the same from kids. Mm-hmm. I hear people by around April saying that they are running on fumes, and I feel bad for them because they still got two and a half months left. And I don't know how far you go on fumes at two and a half months, but um, let's definitely do that next time if, if the mood strikes us. Uh, any last thoughts today? We have about a minute left. Anna, any last thoughts before we have to call it a day for today? Um, just uh, about the... Uh, 
agreeing and disagreeing that it can breed conflict and that it's enough just to validate. Here, clarify, validate is enough. And sometimes you have to wait to see that. Like sometimes later you're like, boy, look at how much better they're feeling because I heard clarified and validated rather than tried to solve it for them or whatever. Susie, any last thoughts? Um, I agree with Anna. And um, just that siblings, while they might not be experiencing the explosive, volatile um, behaviors that the challenging child exhibits, um, nevertheless are just as important and need time and consideration. On that note, we are going to call it a day. Thank you both, as always. And we'll be Bye. back Thank next you. month. Thank you. With Bye. another Bye. parents Bye. panel.